Verhail Aksal. I am Skaggy Vetter, and welcome to the Norse Code. In this episode, we are going to cover the introduction to Norse mythology. That is, some of the places, the races, and a few of the key players that we will build at, on top of. You know, this is our foundation to build all of our talks on Norse mythology. In addition to that, we will cover at a very high level creation and destruction, Ragnarok. We'll go in much greater detail on both of those subjects on future episodes, but tonight we'll just do a very high level base introduction to it. From that, we can build upon and talk about more and more of the mythology and the, the working with the gods and all that. So without further ado, we'll get started. An overview of Norse mythology. To start with Norse mythology, you need to start at the sources. <clears throat> the problem is we, we don't have any. Well, we don't have many. We have the Poetic Eda, which is far and above our best source of our Norse stories. You know, th these are a collection of poems, most likely from Iceland. Uh, it's sometimes known as the Codus Regis. It was written in the later half of the 10th century, so during the Viking Age, but a little bit later on. It, and this is our best source of Norse mythology that we have. Um, there's a lot that we're missing, tons that we're missing, things that are talked about in the Poetic Eda that we don't have any other sources that give us any more information as to what these stories are, who these characters are, who these, these people, these places. We're missing a lot. In addition to the Poetic Eda, we have the Prose Eda. This was written by an Icelandic Christian scholar, Snorri Sturluson, in the 13th century. Now, some people don't like to include Snorri because he was a Christian and a lot of his writings kind of brought a Christian element into the Norse mythology. And so there's question as to how much is actual Norse mythology and how much he kind of modified to be more suited for the Christians in the area. Because you got to keep in mind, at this time period, there's a massive shift going on from Norse paganism to Christianity. It has started hundreds of years before Snorri, but it was still holding on and they were still trying to eliminate paganism. Uh, and, and I believe in the 13th century, it was even outlawed. Uh, however, I like to include it the way I look at it is the, the depth that Snorri went into it. He clearly had an understanding of the Norse mythology. And I don't think he was purely Christian. I, I think the way he wrote this, he had to be at least somewhat pagan. You know, he, he had to have some belief in this. Now, there are other sources out there, but not many and most of them tell a story here, a story there. Some of them are just retellings of what we already have in the Ada. Um, and a lot of them are partial stories. Uh, and then we have this, the sagas, which again are mostly Icelandic. However, they do talk about some of the gods. They, they talk about some of the mythology, how, how these heroes and, and some of them real people behaved how how some of the religion was so the sagas are another great source that we need to keep in mind we don't have much from actual like the mainland scandinavia b 
because while the Vikings did have a written alphabet, they, they didn't really write. You know, they left rune stones. They would carve runes into things, but they didn't really have paper. So there was no real written record. It was just stories passed on through the generations, hundreds of years, thousands of years. So there's a lot of information that's just missing, unfortunately. So we do the best we can. And one of the things that myself, <clears throat> excuse me, myself and many other people are doing is working with the gods and trying to obtain more information from them. Of which I have gotten something, but that's for a future episode. So the best place to start is the Nine Realms. You have Niflheim, the land of ice and frost. This is one of the first areas, locations, realms to actually come into existence. We don't have any stories as to how it came into existence, why it came into existence. It just started to exist. Then you have Muspelheim. This is the land of fire and the home of Surtur. Muspelheim came into existence at the same time Niflheim did. And we'll talk about that when we get to creation. Then you have Asgard, the home of the Aesir, the gods. This is the home of Odin and Thor and Frege and Freya. This is the place that we see in the Marvel movies when we, when we watch the Thor movies. Then there's Vanaheim, home of the Vanir, the nature gods. Now the, the Vanir and Vanaheim, a separate race from the Aesir, but they are gods nonetheless. Then you have our home, Midgard, Earth, Jotunheim, which is the home of the giants, the Jotuns, Alfheim, home of the elves, and also the area in which Freyr rules over, Tvartalheim, home of the dwarves, sometimes called dark elves, depending on which source you're reading, and Helheim, the land of the dead, the land of hell. This is the place that you go when you die. Now, one thing to keep in mind here is that Helheim, Hell is where the Christians got the name Hell from, but it's a very different place than the Christian Hell. The Christian Hell is a place of damnation. It is a place that you go to get punished. Helheim is not. Helheim is the realm in which souls go when they die. Now, you can go to Volkvanger or Valhalla or one of the other homes of the gods. Those are if you're chosen, if you're worthy, but the vast majority of people go to Helheim. You're not punished. It's not hellfire and brimstone. It's just a place where you get to reconnect with your ancestors until Ragnarok. So where are these nine realms? Well, they live in Yggdrasil, the world tree. It is an ancient ash tree that holds all nine realms. <clears throat> At the base of the, the tree is a dragon, Needhawk. And he sits around and gnaws on the roots. At the top, you have an eagle. In these sources that we do have, the eagle does not have a name. At least not one that I've been able to find. Then there's a squirrel, Ratatoskr. He runs up and down the tree, delivering messages from Needhog up to the egg, eagle. 
These are jokes. These are insults. Leave it to the Vikings to have a squirrel running up and down the world tree trading insults between a dragon and an eagle. I mean, it's a little bit ridiculous, but kind of amazing at the same time. I love the fact that Ratatoskr exists. Then you have four stags, and they sit around the world tree, and they graze on the leaves of Yggdrasil. There is Dain, Dvalin, Dunir, Durathor. Some of those names might sound familiar because they were used in Lord of the Rings. I am completely blanking on the author of the Lord of the Rings name. How can I forget that? Anyway, he used Norse mythology as a basis for his books, The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. A lot of the names, the places, the races all come from Norse mythology. Of course, he changed the dwarves, but we'll, we'll get to that eventually. We have the, the races coming up soon. Under Yggdrasil, there are three wells. The Well of Erd, which is fate. This is where the gods would hold their council meeting. There's the Well of Virgomir. Virgomir, yes. Where all the waters from in Midgard and Jotunheim, all those waters come from this one well. And then Mimir as well. This is the place in which Odin sacrificed an eye to the Well of Knowledge to obtain information on Ragnarok. Yggdrasil is also the place in which Odin hung himself for nine days while being pierced with his spear. And just before he died, he was gifted the runes. We will have an episode in which we talk about Odin and his journey in discovering that Ragnarok was going to happen and searching for that information. And you'll find that he is constantly making sacrifices to obtain knowledge, such as giving up an eye to Mimir as well, stabbing himself and hanging himself from the tree of knowledge, Yggdrasil, to gain the runes. So anytime you see the runes, thank Odin for obtaining those and then gifting them to humanity. Also beneath Yggdrasil are the Norns, the weavers of fate. According to the Voluspa, there are three. Erd, the past. Verdandi, what is coming into being, or the present. And Skuld, what shall be, the future. There are some sources that suggest there are multiple Norns, many, besides just these three, many, many Norns. Some people even think that it's a Norn for each person, each god, each of all the races, which would be a lot of Norns. And each one is, is assigned to a specific person or god and pushes their fate. Uh, the Voluspa, which comes from the Poetic Eda, only names these three. And these three will carve the fate of men and gods into the roots of Yggdrasil. It should be noted that Per Norse mythology, your fate is not final. Your fate can change. It takes a lot to change it, but it can be changed. 
and they don't necessarily dictate your life they dictate the milestones how you get there and what happens between today and the next milestone is up to you and your decisions and it's through those decisions that you can change your fate for the good or the bad the Aesir we're getting into the races now the Aesir are the primary gods and goddesses for the Vikings one of two tribes of deities and I use the word tribes for a reason you have the Aesir you have the Vanir there are two separate races they live two separate places but they are both gods and there has been some friction between them which we'll cover in the next slide which is the, the Vanir uh, but the Aesir they lived in Asgard this is the home of Odin and Fega and Thor Balder Loki Tyr Heimdall Idun Bragi and many 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 more gods this is where they live this is all Asgard is also the home of several Vanir. We'll talk about that in the next slide. The Vanir. The Vanir are more nature-based gods and goddesses. Uh, they, they line up a little bit more with you know, the, the Celtic gods and, and the older Germanic gods. They live in Vanaheim. Um, <clears throat> it is believed by some scholars that the Vanir are actually a pantheon from a very different Germanic group. And as they migrated through and came to Scandinavia they brought their gods into Scandinavia where they were where the Aesir were worshipped and this is probably the inspiration for the Aesir Vanir war where these two groups of gods came together and didn't necessarily get along at first and then some of the Vanir persisted through the Aesir some of the gods of this other Germanic group persisted in the Scandinavian the, the people that would become the Vikings. So who were the Vanir? You have Njord, Freya, and Freyr. That's it. That's not all the Vanir. That's the only names we have. All the others have been lost to history. Now there's a chance that there's a couple other gods that we don't we have a name for but we don't have a whole lot of information on that I believe might be Vanir. Well I have a whole episode planned for that one. Um, but per the sources, these are the only three Vanir, true Vanir, that we have names for. So, going back to the Aesir Vanir War. This was a major war fought between the Aesir and the Vanir tribes in an, <clears throat> in an attempt to end the war, because it was a very bloody, very brutal war. To end the war, to keep the peace, they decided to exchange prisoners. Njord, Freyr, and Freyr went to stay with the Aesir which is why we still had their names. And then the Aesir sent Honor, Honir, which depending on which source you read is a separate god, or it could be another name for Vili, Odin's brother, and Mimir, and they were sent to live with the Vanir. Now, Vili wasn't necessarily the smartest, even though he kind of proclaimed to be. Uh, he relied on Mimir, to provide wisdom and counsel and so because Vili ended up becoming a, a, a leader major leader within the Vanir and then when the when Mimir left for a bit and they found out that Vili was kind of an idiot they killed Mimir and sent his head back to Odin kind of saying we know you gave us 
somebody that you didn't want as, along with someone you did want. So we're giving you one you did want back, but it's just his head. We know what you did. We're not going to start a war over it again, but we're pissed. Well, Odin used Seder, which is magic, to keep Mimir's head alive and placed him at the Well of Knowledge, which is became known as Mimir's Well. Moving on, we have the Jotuns, the giants. Now, I don't like calling them giants. It is an inaccurate translation. Jotun means giant appetite, not giant. But a bad translation led to them being considered giants. But they're really no different than the Aesir or the Vanir. They're just another race of that being. Uh, they lived in Jotunheim. I should have mentioned that. They live in the Jotunheim. Um, some of the gods and goddesses were Jotuns. Loki, Skadi, Gerder, and Jord were all Jotuns. Jord is the mother of Thor. So Thor is only half a god and half a Jotun. Skadi became a goddess through marrying Njord, who was one of the Vanir. Gerder became a goddess by marrying Freyr. And then Loki was kind of adopted almost by Odin as a brother in, in some sort. I know in the Marvel movies he's Thor's brother, but in Norse mythology he is the adopted brother of Odin. Now the Jotuns and Midgard didn't always get along. Uh, there's a lot of infighting there. Uh, Jotuns kind of wanted to take over Midgard to get rid of the humans. Uh, people like Thor really despised the Jotuns and would openly attack them. Although he had some very interesting interaction with the Jotuns. And that's going to be an episode in and of itself because those are great stories that we're going to dive deep into. So, some of the other creatures and other beings within Norse mythology, you had the Valkyries. These are the female warrior spirits who would choose who got to go to either Valhalla or Folkvanga. In the sources, it says that 50% went to Valhalla, 50% went to Folkvanga. And it's kind of up in the air whether that meant just in general 50% was split, or was it men went to Valhalla and women went to Folkvanga? It's really unknown. I guess if you decide to join the military and become a great warrior and get killed in action, you, you'll get to find out. And if that's the case, let me know. I'd like to know. Then there's Hugin and Munin. These are Odin's ravens. They fly around the world each day and bring Odin news of what's going on. And not just our world, all the world, all nine realms. This way, Odin could be kept abreast of everything that's going on. In case you haven't noticed yet, he's kind of a seeker of knowledge. He's constantly looking for more and more knowledge. There's Gary and Freki, Odin's wolves. Tongrishnir and Tongdaskir. These are Thor's goats, tooth grinder, tooth gnasher. These goats have kind of a special ability in that when they die, they are reborn the next morning. So there's a couple stories in which Odin, or not Odin, Thor is getting lost someplace and he's starving so he kills and eats one of his goats. And when he wakes up the next morning, the goat's back. So it's 
becomes a very useful tool for for Thor in his expicades. The elves. The elves live in Alfheim. They're not quite what we see in Tolkien. Tolkien's the name of the guy who wrote Lord of the Rings. I can't believe I blanked on that earlier. <laughs> anyway, Tolkien took the stories of the elves, changed their appearance and their mythology a little bit to create the elves in Lord of the Rings. It's not quite the elves in Norse mythology, but I would like to do an episode as a deep dive into the elves and kind of go more in depth with them. Then you have the dwarves, the dark elves, who live in Svartalheim. They're crafty, very, very crafty. They're, they forged the chains, the hell of Fenrir. They forged Thor's hammer, Odin's spear, Freya's necklace, Sif's hair, Freyr's ship, etc., etc., etc. And funnily enough, most of those all come from the same story, which will be a, a probably a story in which we're talking about Loki, because Loki's kind of the the main main protagonist in that story. <clears throat> but what Tolkien did with the dwar dwarves was he shrunk them. See, the dwarves were called dark elves for a reason. They're elves. They're, they're no different than the elves. They're just another race of elf. But to make them more different, Tolkien shrunk them, made them essentially midgets and miners. Kept them as being crafty, but made them miners. They, they really weren't at least in the stories that, that we have today in the sources. And then you have Draugr, the undead. These are zombie-like warriors that after they're killed, they could come back to life and continue to fight, usually through the use of magic. Maybe for Halloween we'll do a Draugr episode. That could be interesting. Uh, there are, and then there's numerous dragons throughout Norse mythology. But let's talk about the children of Loki. These are not only other races, other characters, but these are specific characters that have a very important role to play throughout the rest of Norse mythology. So Loki's had several children with different partners. Uh, but in this case, we're going to talk about Angraboda, which was a Jotun witch. Loki had three children with her. There's Jormungandr, the Midgard Serpent. So Jormungandr surrounds Midgard and holds all the waters of Midgard in place. And during Ragnarok, he will fight Thor. He will lose. Thor will kill Jormungandr, but not before biting Thor. Thor will take nine steps after killing Jormungandr and then succumb to the poison and die himself. There's more stories with Jormungandr, but that's a future episode. Then you have Fenrir. I'm going to do a whole episode on Fenrir. I love Fenrir. He's greatly misunderstood. He is a giant wolf. He got chained up to stop his voraciousness, his strength, and will fight Odin at Ragnarok. And he will fight Odin for a very good reason. But I'll save that for a future episode. And then his children, Hati and Skoll, they chase the sun and the moon. And come Ragnarok, they will catch the sun and the moon and devour them. Then you have Hel, goddess of death, the queen of Helheim. She is half dead, half alive. 
and was given Helheim to rule. And then you have Schlepnir. Now, Schlepnir was not an offspring of Angerboda, but an offspring of Loki. Schlepnir is Odin's eight-legged horse. He is the fastest horse. He can go through any of the nine realms. He can even go into hell and then leave again. He is the only creature through all of Norse mythology other than Hel herself who can go to Helheim and leave again. Loki is Sleipnir's mother. I mean, Loki's not a horse. Loki's a male. But Loki is Sleipnir's mother. In order to trick another horse, which is a story for a whole other day, Loki turned into a mare. Loki was a shapeshifter and turned into a mare to distract this other horse from the job it was doing. And one thing led to another and Loki came back pregnant. Go figure. Only in Norse mythology. Alright, so that pretty much covers the races, some of the key players, and the locations. Alright, creation. In the beginning, there was nothing. Gagunga Gap. It's nothing. It's emptiness. It is essentially the universe. Pre-Big Bang. There's just nothing there. And then you have the land of ice, Niflheim, which comes into, create, into being. The land of fire, Muspelheim, coming into being. And they grew, and they grew, and they grew, until they collided in a great explosion of steam. Possibly the Big Bang? Maybe the Norse knew more than we give them credit for. The fire melted the ice, and it formed Ymir, the first Jotun, the first of the giants. And then Jotuns began to spring forth from Ymir's feet and armpits. This is where the story gets weird. His feet would mate with each other and produce Jotuns, and his armpits would just asexually produce Jotuns. Kind of weird. Not going to lie. Then you have the cow, Arhumla, who was thawed from the ice. So she begins to lick at the ice and uncovers Birdie, the first of the Aesir. Birdie fathered Bor. Bor fathered Odin, Billy, and they. And then Odin, Billy, and they decided to kill Ymir. So they killed him, and they took his corpse to create Midgard. The skull became the sky, the blood the oceans, the hair hit the trees, his skin and muscles, the soil and mountains. And then to inhabit Midgard, they created humans from driftwood, Asker and Embla. Let's take a moment and look at this. First two humans, Asker and Embla, an A name and an E name. Adam, Eve? So, this begs the question, is there some truth behind that story? And both the Christian, well, Abrahamic religions and Norse got it? Or was there some Christian influence 
on the writing of our sources and kind of worked that in there. We'll never know the answer to that question. But something interesting to think about. So going back to the creation of humans, Odin gave breath, Vili gave understanding, and Ve gave senses. The three of them gave everything that we needed to become human. And then they went out and populated Midgard. That's creation. At some point, we'll do a more in-depth talk about creation. There's more details to be talked about. But this is just a high-level introduction. So let's move on to destruction. Ragnarok. At the end of the world, at the end of all nine worlds, Midgard will experience a three-year winter destroying civilization. Not killing all the people off, but destroying civilization as we know it. Now this is another place where what the Norse are describing kind of lines up with something that is possible. A three-year winter. A nuclear winter? It's possible that that's what they're describing. I guess we won't know until if it ever happens. But again, something interesting to think about. As I mentioned, Hathi and Skull will catch the moon and the sun and devour them. Fenrir will break free from his chains. He will fight and kill Odin. And then Odin's son, Vidar, will slay Fenrir in vengeance. But, of course, not until Fenrir has wreaked havoc amongst all nine realms. Jormungandr will rise from the depths. He will fight Thor. Thor will kill the serpent, but as I mentioned before, he will be bit, and after nine steps, succumb to the venom and die. Hell will invade Asgard with an army of the dead. Loki will invade with an army of Jotuns. At this point, Loki is imprisoned. But that's another interesting story that we'll save for another episode. The wolf, Garm, will fight Tyr, and they will end up killing each other. Freyr will fight Surtur, and they too will slay each other. The world, Midgard, will sink into the sea, and all of creation will be undone. But that's not the end. Not at all. In fact, that is just the beginning. For some gods will survive. Vidar, Vali, Baldur, Holder, Bodhi and Magni, who are both Thor's sons, will all survive Ragnarok to to see the creation of a new world. By the way, Baldur survives Ragnarok even though he was already killed by Loki, but somehow he's brought back to life during Ragnarok. Interesting. When we talk more on Loki and why he was chained up prior to Ragnarok, we'll talk about Baldur's death and when we talk more in depth about Ragnarok, we'll talk about how Baldur comes back to life. Two humans will also survive Ragnarok. Lif and Lifthrasser. And they will repopulate Midgard. 
a new world will be born, green and beautiful. It will rise from the waters, and a golden age of life will begin. Now, what about the other realms? What about the elves and the dwarves and the Jotuns and the Vanir? We don't know. We really don't know. None of that has survived the sources. None of that has survived history. If those, that part of the story ever existed to begin with. You know, we, we don't know if that story ever existed. Maybe they didn't care enough to create that story. They didn't, or to remember it. If it was, if this is a true story and was told to, to humans. We just don't know. I guess we'll have to wait for Ragnarok and find out, won't we? Now, there are some people who think Ragnarok's already happened. And that Balder is Jesus. Um, I really don't think we're in a golden age of life, so I don't necessarily believe that. And being that I've spoken to some of the other gods, obviously they still exist, so I don't believe it. Um, however, there's a lot of parallels between Balder and Jesus. So there is some thought that maybe they're the same person. And if that's the case then we might be post-Ragnarok. Like I said, I don't really believe it, but some people do, so you, you don't really know. But that pretty much takes us to the end. So what did you think? Did you enjoy the overview of Norse mythology? Remember this episode. This is the basis from which we will build upon everything else these are the places that will come up over and over again the races that will come up over and over again and then creation and ragnarok will be brought up over and over again especially when we're talking about odin so remember this we'll definitely be retelling some of these stories <clears throat> as we talk about other things but i want, just wanted to give you that that foundation that basis to start with so that's where i will leave you for tonight so please follow the Norse Code on YouTube and Facebook. And you can follow me on Instagram, Skeggy Vetter. Give me a like, give me a subscribe, and help this channel grow. And if you're enjoying what I'm doing, please tell other people who are into Norse mythology, who are into paganism, so we can grow this community and really make it something fun. Our next episode... I will film in the woods like the first one and we will be talking about Norse paganism and kind of how to be a pagan, how to get into it and all that. You know, starting at the bottom and working our way up. So again, thank you for joining me in this episode. I wish you all the best. Good night.